Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. With the ninth pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Anthony Barr, linebacker, UCLA. Well, that's what I thought. Edge rusher, almost 6'5", 255. He's only been a defensive end for two years. Was a converted running back. Explosive. He needs core strength. He needs experience. But when you draw it up, does he look like Jason Taylor or what? Are you guys going to miss Mike Mayak saying words like explosive? Not really. All weekend long? What? I'll miss Mel when Mel's gone for the ESPN coverage. Mayak, not really. Oh, I love me some Mike My favorite Mayak. part is is I saw a story today. The Raiders are actually having Mayak do mock drafts himself to draft to get used to the speed at which he's going to have to make picks. Wait, so they're so like saying they don't trust like him really. the 10 minutes between picks or yeah, whatever? Yeah, they, don't, they basically have said that you get to sit there on TV and analyze the picks previously, right? Right. So... They've expressed, I guess, some concern. It's and they reactionary, said, yeah. You have to sim your reaction to actually making picks. Wow. And and the rumor is that the Raiders sent all their scouts home. They got rid of all their scouts, and it's just down to Gruden and Mayock now because they're planning on doing something that's going to be outside the box at four. And caterers. <laughs> Pizza cost too much? Caterers will be there, for sure. Oh, wait, for, so, oh, for sure. So those two dudes... Want to be alone in a room? They sent the scouts home because they're so worried that what they're going to do well, with the number four pick is going to. We talked the room. about. We talked about this last week. Now it turns out that the scouts that are still employed by the Raiders are not Mayak's guys. They're Reggie McKenzie's guys, who was GM and is now with the Dolphins. So there's there's concern there. But my guess, <laughs> my guess, they're thinking quarterback. That's my guess, right? Outside the box, like Dwayne Haskins, caught. yeah, something weird. Or would they? Gruden wants Gruden wants his quarterback. That's I was going to say, would they trade for Josh Rosen? But you're not going to have to trade your number four pick for Josh Rosen. Um, but it is the Raiders, so you would, would the think, Raiders trade the number four overall pick for Josh Rosen? No, you would. <laughs> They're not that stupid. You would think Gruden wants a quarterback, but I mean, they they paid Derek Carr. You already have a lot of money invested in quarterback, unless you can find somebody to take him off your hands. I don't. I don't see how they house two quarterbacks at this point. But think about the Gruden film camps, right? And do you think that that guy is really happy sitting there with with a handpicked quarterback who's not his? 
Did he like Derek Carr in their sit down? Well, I don't remember. I'm sure people have dug that up before. I don't know. I, I don't think remember that. that. The, the, the answer to your question is they have dug that up before. I don't recall. Okay. But I just got to think that this guy that got off on basically sitting there was good. And those camps were great. Was his own guy. Yeah. Well, what if this scenario played out for the Minnesota Vikings? I want to mock! Mock! I want to mock! Mock! As you guys can see on the TCL TV above Judd's right shoulder over here, Uh we have a 3.0 mock draft. I need this in my living room. Uh, Just a giant Charles Davis 3.0 mock draft mural. Just a a TV that I can surf the internet on, like a 55-inch TV that I can surf the internet on. Do you see? I'm controlling this with a keyboard Oh, I had no idea that you were doing this. That's right. We're in a state-of-the-art brand-new studio here today. Isn't that fancy? Technology is so great. So uh, I'm actually doing this telepathically. Scroll down. (laughs) I had no idea that was you. Football mock draft. I want to do this. Here, I'll give you the Passing keyboard the in a keyboard. second, but you're also you're going to get us all fired probably by going to websites we're not supposed to. But Kyler Murray with the number one overall pick to Arizona, Nick Bosa number two to San Francisco, and now so envisioned if it plays out this way for the Minnesota Vikings, how big of a buzzkill would it be, and what would you do? Okay, uh, let's scroll down here. I think I know where uh, Sean Gary, Jawan Taylor, I think on the Packers. T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end. It's, every mock now that you see, some of them had T.J. Hawkinson slipping to no. the middle. The second round, That's right? not happening. No, he's gone. The, uh, he, apparently, he's going to Buffalo, number nine here. That's the, the highest I've seen for Hawkinson. I don't know about you guys. Saw him eighth in one of them to the Lions, I want to say. Really? Drew Locke, quarterback, Missouri, number 10 to the Broncos. Yep. Dwayne Haskins to the Bengals at number 11. Good, okay. And then uh, oh, the, no the other tight end uh, from Iowa. I love how Iowa just has like two top 12 tight ends, and they're still terrible. So Noah Fant to the Packers. Yeah. And then the pick right before the Vikings mm. to the New York Giants, mm. Alabama oh, offensive lineman Jonah Williams. Okay, this falls right. Would they trade up This falls right happened? in line with the, the Zolgad plan. I don't know if they would. They should. And listen, here's what you do, because it's going to cost you, right? You give up some of your draft picks. I don't care if you give up future picks. I am so I I have expressed this about three times to today on various shows. I am so tired, especially with with a GM who's now only signed through twenty twenty. So there's no guarantee of employment. So sick and tired of everything being about the future. Like you're in a the window is now. The window is not. So if Rick Spielman does what's best for, for the Vikings in twenty twenty five, he's doing it for somebody else, right? So the answer to your question is, yes, you trade up. So could I add to that, that, and by the way, uh, if this happens according to Charles Davis, the Vikings would settle at 18 for Cody Ford, the offensive lineman from Oklahoma. I want to mock! Mock! I want to mock! Mock! So with, with Rick Spielman... He's, I like how you don't step on it up. <laughs> Out of respect for the don't song. Don't step on the song. Don't yeah. step on the song. Never step on the song. <laughs> uh-uh. It's probably about five seconds too long, but that's okay. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> Rick Spielman is, I would say, borderline obsessed with having 10 draft picks every single year, right? I mean, he's, his, he's his on the name. record saying yep. over the years he loves to have 10 draft picks. Yep. So he loves to compile the extra pick here and there. However, uh, now there's there's compensation picks if you lose free agents, et cetera. Sure. But if you're accumulating those picks in the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds only, if you have a win now window, it's worth to me. It's I don't care about having three sixth round picks or 
or three seventh round picks. Okay, fifth, fifth round, and I I get it. Guys like Daniil Hunter can pop up in the middle rounds, and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen went undrafted. Sure, those are the wild exceptions. So I I lean more toward Judd's opinion here, and that they should they should be looking to pounce and maybe even trade up a spot or two if they think they can get a starting maybe Pro Bowl future Pro Bowl caliber offensive lineman. Ordinarily, I would say. The difference between pick 18 and 16, or even moving back like to pick 25, um, if you can get an extra second or third round pick, awesome, you should do that because a lot of it's a crapshoot anyways. But you need offensive line help so badly that you should just, if, if you feel like it's starting to get away from you, you should pounce in the first round. I usually I usually am, am in line with the philosophy of more swings. Give me more swings at it, and I'll, I'll get you more hits if I'm an NFL GM. And, and I think more times than not, that works for teams when they're trying to build something and when you need to hit on a lot of guys. I, I look at this Vikings team, and I don't see a ton of holes. I th- I'm, despite how 2018 went, I don't see a ton of holes on this Vikings team, and I've been saying what Judd just said since I got here to Minnesota, which is that when you paid Kirk Cousins what you paid him and all of it guaranteed, $29 million a year for three years, you opened a window for three years to win a Super Bowl. And if you don't do it in that time, you failed. That's a complete and total failure for, for the plan that you set forth. So... Yeah, at this point, whether it's free agency, which wasn't really an option because of what you paid Kirk Cousins, or through the draft, I'm trying to I'm I'm using all the resources that I have at hand to plug those one or two holes that I have if I'm Rick Spielman and put everything around Kirk Cousins that I can to win a Super Bowl here in the next two years. I I, I cannot be thinking at all, not even a little bit, not even in the later rounds about the future when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. And common sense says you don't get to choose two paths. Like, you don't sign Cousins and then say, but you know what else we're going to do? Right. We're, we're going to plan the 2025 path. You don't get that. When you, in a salary cap league, when you invest this much in one player, you're on one path, and that is a Super Bowl path. And if you deviate or attempt to, then you're going to be f- fired unemployed quickly. I'm going to give you guys, though, just quickly here, the 2017 draft. Because it's my guess that Rick Spielman loved this draft, Okay. No first-round pick, but that's the draft in which they took uh, Cook and Elfline in the second and third rounds. They took a Spielman high, and and he's run the draft, I believe, solely basically since 2012, Phil. Mm -hmm. They took a Spielman high 11 players in that draft. Jalil Johnson, Ben Gideon, Rodney Adams, Danny Isadora, Bucky Hodges, Stacey Coley. uh, Bucky Hodges had an awesome name and looked like a professional tight end, though. A second, second seventh-round pick, I can't pronounce. I'm sorry. Elijah Lee, Jack Tocho. The point being is, okay, you took a ton of swings. You took four swings in the last round. Yeah, and it doesn't. And, and, and you're hoping that one of those guys is a special teams dude, right? Right. And and every once in a while, you're going to get Stefan Diggs. So I completely get that. And and in years when you don't think the window is open, then do this. Then that's fine. But in years it's open, you don't take this path. So if you need to give up some of your your beloved picks to get up and get a guy that you think is going to step in day one and make a difference, go get him. Do you guys want one more? Do we want one more? I want a mock! Mock! Because 
on latimes.com. Now you cut that off no, really. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, can, can we get some consistency? I'm going to read the whole thing every well, time. Are you going to deprive me of it? No, but it's. I want to mock. Mock! Like, you can stop right there. Okay. <laughs> I feel good there. Yeah, I need at least two. Okay, you need the second. You need at least two. Second verse. Yeah. yeah. So, latimes.com didn't just do their own first-round mock draft. They tracked down 32 oh. different NFL reporters we tell from them, those Mommy? cities. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did this one already. We did this yesterday. But, oh. I mean, go ahead and do it again. On it Purple was, Daily or on Mackie and Judd with Rami? Um, I don't remember. Mackie and Judd with Rami. <laughs> I want And the mock. first pick is great. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, first pick is great. That's why it's awesome. The Cardinals pick they, is great. Yeah. Yeah, no, we did this Is yesterday. it Ken Summers from, Ken Summers, uh, yeah, from the Arizona? Republic. He yes. went with defensive tackle Quentin Williams just from Alabama. Totally just throwing a total wrench into this whole thing. It was a great draft. So, I mean, we don't have to... You, since you guys already did it, where did Kyler Murray go? That's He's what was craziest tumbling. about the this The quarterbacks are really weird in this draft. He wasn't even the first quarterback off the board. Yep. Did they do this in order? Or did they yes. just email all these guys and say, all right, who do you... Th- no, I think he does it. I think... Uh, Dwayne Haskins? I'm pretty sure that ridiculous. Farmer of Los Angeles Times to the Dolphins. does this There's in order. There's zero chance he goes 13 to the Dolphins. That's what, that's what Rami that's said. What I said that's why we had so much fun with this. It's great. I just like that it's different than every other mock that I see, which are pretty much all the same within yeah. one or two picks. Garrett Bradbury to the Vikings. Yeah, the center from North Carolina State. I want a mock! Mock! Which could move off on the left guard. I want to mock! mock. <laughs> um, I love it. I love that, I love that Kent Summers... Out of the gates, like bleep your mock draft. I'm I'm picking not Kyler Murray. <laughs> that would have been my response. I'm, I'll, I'll literally pick anyone but Kyler Murray just to screw up this whole mock draft. Which would be great fun now. <laughs> it would be. Yes. Cardinals just are like, you know what? We're not going to do. This. I don't know about you guys. I prefer complete and total chaos on NFL draft day. I know that it probably didn't sit well here, but when the Vikings didn't get their pick in on time. And then teams just started running to the podium <laughs> to get their picks in before the Vikings did. Four GMs tripping over each other. That was amazing. That might have been the most exciting the NFL Didn't draft the Vikings has do, do ever that back been. Did they do it back to back? They did it back to back years, or did, didn't they have two drafts? I thought there was one. There, there was one where Kansas City, I think, beat them to the podium, and. That was on purpose because Red was so cheap that he was trying to get a cheaper draft slot. Oh my gosh. And then I thought there was another one where the Vikings also didn't get to the podium in time, and Baltimore was involved. So, or something. but the, the the initial one was the Bryant McKinney draft, right? No, yes. it was, or, no or no, Kevin, Kevin Williams. Williams. Kevin Williams. Are you sure? I yeah, Kansas because Kansas yeah, City Kevin jumped Williams. him and got okay. Ryan Sims. Is that right? But didn't someone get Sean Merriweather in there? Didn't someone sneak up and get Sean? We should. <laughs> I'm pulling up the article <laughs> as we speak. Oh no, Sean Sean, Sean Merriman. Is no, that that was 2005. Okay, that was the that was the Williamson seventh overall. Oh, and they could oh, you know had. what? Tice liked him because he was a Maryland guy. Okay, and I think Tice wanted him, and they all said, oh, "You got to take this. You got to take this wide receiver." It did guy. happen two years in a row because I'm reading an article right now, and it says the Minnesota Vikings are catching heat for a second consecutive year thanks to a botched first round maneuver. So they were forced on Saturday to pass on their first round pick. This is an article from 2003. Botched first round maneuver needs to be a band name in the Twin Cities by someone. So they were working out a trade with the Ravens, and that fell apart. 
So then they had to pass Stop on their there. choice, Thank and you. then there was a frenzy uh, where Jacksonville ran to the podium number eight and selected Byron Leftwich, and then right after that, Carolina ran in and selected offensive tackle Jordan Gross. <laughs> Minnesota finally jumped in at the nine slot, selecting defensive tackle Kevin Williams. Can you send literally anybody up? Like, can the, like if you're the Jets and you're just too far down the hallway, can you just send like Fireman Ed? Go make. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, you can. Go. Hey Jerry, get up there. Get your pick in. No, no, no. Jerry. Yes, you can. Hello, it's just Jerry. Go make the pick. Uh, by the way, uh, you can show us your mock. We're giving away some uh, Scornorth swag to whoever can be the most correct in their seven round mock draft. Here's how you can enter: tweet us. A screenshot to the Score North Twitter account. That's S K O R North on Twitter. Just at Score North. Tweet us a screenshot of your seven predictions for who Minnesota will draft in all seven rounds of this year's draft, and use two hashtags: Score Mock. That's S K O R Mock, and a hashtag Contest. And you can even we've got a free draft simulator at ScoreNorth.com. Just do keyword Draft, and we'll see where you. Hey, last year Randy and Cottage Grove nailed the first one. And I think he was flirting with a couple in the middle rounds there. So we're giving away stuff for that? Yes. Can I go to people's homes and take stuff for debating the Vikings record on my timeline endlessly since yesterday afternoon? It's going on in mine, too. I'm tired of you people. Why are you being such a record prediction buzzkill? What, what, what is the point of debating that on Twitter? Like, just make your prediction and move on. If somebody made a prediction... <laughs> this guy named Danny is not going to move on... Very quickly. If somebody made a prediction that you vehemently disagree with, take a screenshot of it, take a note of the guy's handle, and then call him out when they win their ninth game if he picked them to win eight. Like, Send it to Freezing Cold Takes. Exactly. It's that simple, dude. Just get off my timeline. Get it. Find another thread, tag each other. Get the hell off my timeline, or I'm coming to your house to take things instead of giving you things. Says the guy who spent the last two weeks with every tweet hashtag put a roof on. Because yeah, exactly. I can mute the conversation. Because I have a cause. Okay. Why? Yeah, yeah. This cause. is upsetting you. You know you can. Too much. You, yeah, you can. I didn't know that. Oh, you see, man, Seth said he could. No, I asked our social media guy earlier it. today if there was Seth anywhere Seth said you can't. We'll check it in the break. Thank you, Jonathan Mackey and Judd with Rami here on the All News Score North on fifteen hundred. And uh, if you've been paying attention at all to the NBA playoffs. And the, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder right now, then you know that Russell Westbrook has not had very much to say to the media. You know, Barry Trammell with the Oklahoman. Uh, Russell, you've played against Dennis before since he, since he left you, but could you tell he had a little extra in his step tonight trying to uh, play against his old pals? Next question. Russ, did you think uh, getting down 38-21, 17-point deficit, to come back and, and make it a game down the stretch. Is that a good sign for the rest of the playoffs? Next question. And I, I, I can't believe how many people and how upset people are with Russell Westbrook about that. Like, le- legitimate members of the media. I'm not talking about just random Twitter trolls who are out there and, and ready to pounce on almost anything that Russell Westbrook and other NBA players have to say. I'm talking about, like, the Doug Gottliebs of the world and, and guys who are, are legit and respected in this business saying that it's, he's, he's, he's making a mockery of the game. He's, it's a lack of respect. Be a leader. Be a teammate. Learn how to present yourself and carry yourself in front of the media. And look, I mean, I work for the media. I wish Russell Westbrook would give us better answers. I want everybody to give us great answers and be as open and honest as possible. But 
I don't think this is a big deal or a big problem for Russell Westbrook or anybody else in the NBA. I got I really have no beef with him doing what he's been doing. So this goes back with Barry Trammell of the uh, paper there. This goes back a few years to when I believe Barry Trammell asked, it might have been during the playoffs, um, Westbrook a question about, or he tried to ask a question about why the Thunder was so ineffective if Westbrook was not on the court. And Westbrook got very upset and decided he wasn't going to talk to him at that time. Steven, second time in three games, uh, you guys really struggled when Russell went to the bench. You were out there for part of that. What goes on when he goes to the bench? Why is Houston so successful? And, and do you sense that, that they sort of get an energy boost just from him going out of the game? Hold on, Steven. <clears throat> I don't want nobody to try to split us up. We all one team. Regardless, if I go to the bench, if Steven's on the floor, if I'm off the floor, we in this together. Don't split us up. Don't try to split us up. Don't try to make us go against each other. Try to make against Russell. There's a lot more where that came from, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so my my inclination as as a grown man and adult to this is that it's really silly on everybody's part. Like, this is a dumb game. It's a dumb game on Westbrook's part. The the reporter continues to ask questions because the PR department and league doesn't just say, let's stop this. It just seems, it seems to me to be petty and silly, and it feels like like we're going through a story with with, uh, 10-year-old kids. Does this, so Barry Trammell is the reporter, right? Yeah, he's the columnist for the Oklahoma. So this has been going on for a few years now. Right. Does this dude just keep shooting his shot yes. and get shot down every press There's been conference? stories done about it. So, There's so, been stories at, at so Westbrook's locker. I admire his persistence. His, so for three years, this dude has been asking yes. like legitimate questions politely, and getting Westbrook shot down. Answer. And and Trammel, Trammell's <laughs> response to this is, if I stop, he wins. But he counters by saying, I know he won't stop. So it's just a, every game. And there's going to be a stalemate. But it's going to com- be a game of chicken until one of them retires. But it's completely childish. Wow. Uh, so I Somebody side, grow up. I side with Judd on this, and it's not. I'm not outraged. Oh, I, I don't disagree with anything Judd said. It's, it is childish. No, I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. But it's not something that is a detriment to the Oklahoma City Thunder or, or to the NBA. See, in my opinion, I think it is if you play it out to the nth degree. So. It, it, I think it depends on how far do you want. So Paul George is doing it now, too. Mm-hmm. And there's two ways to look at it. One, in an isolated case, in a fairly small market, with two players who are on a level of maybe 15 or 20 other players in terms of marketability and whatnot. If these two guys in an isolated vacuum decide, yeah, we're just going to be childish and we're not going to talk to the media, does that shipwreck the NBA? No. No. But if this becomes a pattern... And players start to do this on a more regular basis across the board because, you know what, we got our own social media accounts and we can just say bleep you in front of cameras, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's them losing sight of what they're really in the business of. These We were talking about this off the air earlier today, Rami. Mm-hmm. I think players, Russell Westbrook thinks he's in the basketball business, but he doesn't make millions and millions of dollars a year because he's in the basketball business. He's in the entertainment business. You don't, like... The the big I mean no offense to Judd your favorite sport, hockey as a sport and basketball as a sport can both be wildly entertaining with game sevens and drama and close games and athletic feats and saves and everything right, but one sport basketball is wildly entertaining in every other area, comments and drama and just having having sort of an open of uh, 
just an open fire hose of things that yeah. come out of the mouths of players and front offices and, and Steve Kerr's. And in the NHL, they don't really like. There's really there's nothing to really latch onto. Sometimes there's coach drama, but there's certainly not player movement drama like we see in the NBA. And if those guys just stop, or if they become disrespectful to the point of not being likable, I do think long term that's a huge detriment. Yeah, to the I, NBA. if if this becomes a widespread thing, Steve Kerr talked about it in the Athletic. He said it's all part of the business. You've got to feed information to the fans. You don't have to give a great answer, but it's dangerous when you go down that path of no communication. Because one of the reasons people like the league right now is we have a lot of great players, really good guys who handle themselves well. So don't kill that. You've got to keep that going. That's a big part of the business. But here's here's my problem with press conferences across the world of sports. A guy can go up on a podium or in front of a bunch of people with microphones and say exactly what he should say. And that's not going to make any news whatsoever. Nobody's even going to talk about it, right? A guy can get up at a podium or in front of a bunch of microphones and do what Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving did earlier this year, which is express some frustration and that they're disgruntled with the way the media and fans are covering them and talking about them, and then they're a bad dude, and then we talk about that. Or they go up on a podium or in front of a bunch of people and give a non-answer like Russell Westbrook does or like Paul George does, and we don't like that, and he's a bad dude. So two of the three scenarios... You don't look good, and you're a bad person in the eyes of the media and people consuming it. And in the third scenario, nobody cares what you said anyways. So where is the win for athletes in these press conferences and interviews with masses of media? So I I think the question, though, is because the Westbrook thing flies in the face of what the NBA is ordinarily about. It's a very progressive, smart league. Like These are not dumb, head-in-the-sand people, right? So I think the question that you have to ask yourself is, why is he being allowed to do this? And I think the answer is because it creates more drama. The NBA has perfected more than any sport, in my opinion, right now, 2019, drama. So if Westbrook, if they, if, if they do what I would do, which is, Russell, Barry Trammell, come here. Both of you, get it together. This is silly. It looks stupid. Okay, that's the adult thing. Adam Silver's a smart dude. And he's got to know by picking up the phone and calling the Thunder that he could change this pretty quickly. But I don't think he's doing it. And I don't think he's doing it because this has us talking about it. And again, it's drama, but it's drama where no one's really getting hurt. No one's being arrested. No one is fleeing police. Nobody. Mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook is, is a prima donna. And he's a malcontent. But this is as a person. He's not doing so. So. I come back to why is he being allowed to do this? And I come back to the fact that the NBA has so perfected, and it might blow up one day, I don't know, but they've done such a good job with drama. Could you imagine, though, if every quarterback in the NFL decided to not, I mean, it's not like they say a lot. It's not like Tom Brady's up there giving great answers, but if Tom Brady wasn't at least likable and friendly, I think there, I, I honestly think there's an aspect of it that when you look at most of the top basketball players in the world and most of the top quarterbacks in the world, they come off as sort of likable and friendly, and maybe there's a chicken or egg aspect in that to be a great leader and to be that, that great at your craft. Yeah, I, I think, think they're corporate. I think they come LeBron, off as incredibly corporate. To me. I think LeBron comes off as very likable, but in I'm talking most about like cases. Brady. Football players, the best football players to me, strike me as very corporate. I think if you're an extraordinary personality, if you're funny or extremely likable for whatever reason, 
yeah, the media and press conferences and things like that can be really, really good for you. And if you're like a Russell Westbrook and Paul George doing what they're doing, it probably doesn't do a whole lot for you. It's actually probably getting on your nerves and somewhat of a negative to you. But the vast majority of guys in professional sports and in day-to-day life are those people in the middle who don't really have great, interesting, engaging, or otherwise entertaining answers to your questions. So again, it's just going to be a whole bunch of white noise. That's what a lot of these press conferences are. It's dudes getting up in front of microphones saying what they think people want to hear. So they all come off as cookie-cutter Corporate answers, nobody talks about it, it makes no headlines. They make headlines by doing one of two things, being extremely likable, which very few guys are capable of doing, or being extremely unlikable. Press conferences and the whole the whole idea of press conferences themselves is kind of flawed and kind of this facade that we've put up as something that means something when it really doesn't. But is this, okay, my last question on this, because I think... My mantra would be just just be a good human, and I feel like Russell Westbrook is whatever his beef is with this writer from the Oklahoman. He's sort of stooping for multiple years down to this level, rather than just rising above. Be a good human, be like Michael Jordan or LeBron James, and just entertain people's questions and know in your head that you're really above all this. But I'm I'm going to humor you because I'm on camera right now, and I just want to put my best my best self out there. It wouldn't matter to me who's asking the question. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna answer it in good faith. And if it's somebody I don't really like, that's okay. Like I'm, it doesn't matter what they're saying. I'm on camera in front of millions and millions of people. I just don't see what the gain is for Russell Wilson to act like this. I, look I don't at, think there's a gain. And I, don't, I don't think there is a gain. I'll, I'll concede that. But I, I only look at it as you're looking big picture, and you probably have some points big picture when it comes to how the NBA is viewed. From a personal standpoint and how I consume it, I'm a fan of Russell Westbrook. I like the dude when I do hear him talk. He seems like a really sincere, fiery, passionate, loyal guy who takes care. Like, if you look at what he does for charity in Oklahoma, what he, the way that he's, he's put his whole family on his back and done great things for his family and seems like a good dad and a great family man and everything else, I like Russell Westbrook. And seeing him do or hearing him do what he did does nothing to take away from that at all for me. Because I know that the other thing that he could have done up there, I probably would have never even seen it or heard it. But if he went up there and did what every other guy does at a press conference. It does seem silly and childish. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just not necessary. It doesn't make me any less of a fan of Russell Westbrook. I think that's fine. As a basketball player, as a person, nothing. Do you think the fact that he's kind of a petulant child who's probably not that great of a leader is also... Part of the fact that he can't get out of the first round of the playoffs without Kevin Durant. I mean, they're going to get beat. What would the locker room have been like back then with those two, by the way? A couple of real insecure I mean, dudes a, right I was going to say, that's a couple of guys who would be... That That would have been a relationship that I would have paid money to watch. It's kind of fascinating when someone has money for generations. In the case of Kevin Durant, you got your championship. You went to a team, you won a championship. And you care so much still about what people think of you. He just doesn't have the bleep the bleep off button. And apparently. the biggest and the biggest flaw in my opinion in life is to have to tell people how much you don't care. Cuz then it's quite clear you care. Why do you think though that the NBA seems to have I wouldn't call it an epidemic, but they have it seems like they have more of these guys than than the rest of the professional sports world. These disgruntled guys who seem 
unhappy with their lives and the way that they're covered and the way that they're perceived. And I think way- it's partially because you can't hide. But can you in, in other sports? Can you in the NFL? Well, in the NFL, you have 53 guys in the NFL, guys unless in the you're a quarterback, right. yes, I think you can. Well, you know, uh, a man who has never ruffled any feathers at a press conference, Patrick Royce is oh, going to join us no. when we come back here. Mm-hmm. On Mackie and Judd with Rami from the TCL Studios, where uh, we're hanging out right now down the uh, the hallway from our main studio. We're doing the show in the TCL Podcast Studio today, testing out the new car down here. And so, if you're not in it's on nice TCL, car. it is very it's nice. A very nice car. Yeah, don't crash it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be careful. I won't spill coffee on it. The old car crashed. Actually, <laughs> we're trying to fix it. Um, but you got to see the new lineup of award-winning TCL TVs with superior 4K picture quality, Dolby Vision, giving you greater contrast, brighter, more accurate colors, and lifelike images for you to mock with. Because we've got a computer screen pulled up on one of these. We've had mock drafts on them all afternoon. Uh, Roku, built into the TV, gives you endless entertainment, the most streaming content of any TV on the market, bringing entertainment to any room in your house. It's the best way to watch all your favorite content, sports or non-sports, whether you stream it or pay for a cable or satellite subscription. It's all available on one easy-to-toggle-back-and-forth menu. TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand, and there's a reason why TCL is blowing up all around the world these days. TCL in the uh, Score North TCL studios. It's Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Thank you, sir. Far too many crashes. Patrick Royce joins us now as we uh, conclude today's program by rapping with Royce. How are you this afternoon? I am just fine. I went out to the Rick Spielman uh, for my first time ever. I went out for the wow. big uh, big uh, meeting of nothingness, and lo and behold, there was Scott Studwell announcing that uh, for the, uh, as he pointed out, for the uh, third time his retirement from the Vikings. So. Got a column from it? That was interesting. Uh, well, I'm not writing a column. I'm going to write a blog about my interesting history with Scott going back to the uh, 80s. I did get, uh, uh, I don't know if you guys heard it, but uh, he started off and he mentioned that he had a little trouble with the media. And he said that, you know, those days are all past. And then he pointed toward me and said, unless you bleep me off, <laughs> you know, so... But uh, he and I are fine now. It wasn't real good back in the uh, back in the eighties. Uh, uh, you know, he was sort of the chief protectorate uh, against the evil media there in the late eighties, and uh, things would get a little ugly once in a while. But that's okay. He yeah, was, uh, he was. Uh, you know, he. he I, I managed to soothe things over with him uh, uh, in nineteen ninety four at Mankato. Uh, he was standing there, and Bud had uh, Sid had introduced Bud a week ago, a week earlier at uh, Canton, and was extremely tearful and all that stuff. And I went up and kind of semi slapped Studwell in the back, and I said, "I can't wait till you go in the Hall of Fame so I can introduce you." <laughs> <laughs> that kind of loosened things up. Pat, what uh, what in general? in your career has been the key to ripping people to shreds and then uh, also interacting with them face-to-face multiple times after ripping them to shreds? Uh, well, uh, you know, it would have been nice to hide behind a fatter guy, but I was always the fat guy, so that didn't work. So uh, I don't know what you did. Sometimes it never got, uh, you know, sometimes it just, you, you both get tired of feuding with each other, so you just don't do it anymore. Uh, 
you know, Latroy and I, Latroy was terrible with Latroy for a while, and now Latroy and I are, you know, big handshakes and, and big laughs, and uh, Studwell's fine, and I get along with Bert now, so I haven't had that many, but... Uh, Boy, Bert, Bert made people real mad the last few days with it. Did you, did you guys catch the clip of him asking about, oh, he asked Dick Bramer... For the for the audience out there that yeah. doesn't know what OPS is, know, what yeah, is OPS? Yeah, yeah. And then Dick explained it, and Bert was like, "Are you sure that's what OPS is?" And Dick's like, "Yeah, that's that's what OPS is." Yeah, well, I, I saw that he was getting tore, uh, ripped up over that. Now I support him on uh, OPS, but I, I do know what it is. So I, I support the idea that you're taking two different sample sizes and slapping them together. But uh, you know, but that's that's fine. Yeah. Did, did you did you ever say something about a guy that rubbed him the wrong way, and then you later regretted saying that, or do you stand by everything you've ever written or said? Pat? Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> Evans, no! Evans, no! You know, I said, "Here's the problem that I stood well and I had." We had a two-man relationship when we were both jackasses. That was the problem, you know. Uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, I was the, uh, I was the guy that, uh, was going to take any shot I could at him. And, uh, he was the guy that then would respond by, uh, by, uh, you know, going after you, you know, so it was not going after you physically, just, uh, you know, it, it was, it's fine, you know, not, not, yeah, but that Viking locker room in the eighties was, uh, not a, not a loving place. They were, you had a lot of dueling egos in there, you know, you were either a Millard guy or a Dolman guy. They were out campaigning against each other to be the player of the year and they were both crazy and uh and uh a lot of uh a lot of uh, crazy stuff. The best one ever though was later when Randall uh Randall Henry Thomas, who used to be a good guy, just turned into a complete jackass and uh and Henry convinced John Randall, who was a great guy, to be a bad guy too, to, to hate the media too. So Randall, remember those? Uh, these guys maybe, maybe even before your time, Phil, where they had these drawings in the Star Tribune of the columnists. No, oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah, they had Barrero and me, and and uh, and Randall had them taped up on his locker, uh, so he could know, tell the difference between them. And I said. I went up to him. I said, "John, it's not that big a problem. One of us weighs three hundred, the other weighs one fifty. You can figure this out." <laughs> 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 or as Zerbeck said, <laughs> as Zerbeck said, Guerrero in his own uh, classy style. Hey, you look like you got AIDS, and, and Ricey looks like he ate somebody who had AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, good God! Oh yeah. <laughs> Wow, that was the way things went. Jeez, we're, we're much, we're much more politically correct now. We wouldn't. <laughs> right, we would, we would never understatement. Never, never, like never say anything like that. No, no, no. ever. Oh uh, man, uh, I think we're finding that the twins can score runs. Patrick Ricey. Oh man, you know what I said? Uh, this team will hit bad pitching. If you're, uh, you know, they're, they're gonna. You know, they probably hit mediocre pitches, too. But if you send some bad pitching out there, they are going to knock the hell out of it. You're not going to be able to go out there and, and throw slop and uh, and get these guys out. Uh, and nobody hits real good pitching, so uh, that, that's that's what you want in a ball club. I mean, that's how you put up numbers, by knocking the hell out of bad pitching, and that's what they're doing right now. 
I was surprised they turned around that James kid. Remember when they they called him up last year, right? They thought he was going to be a big stud in the bullpen, and they were knocking the hell out of him, too. He walked the Makes yard. a little difference when you got Polanco hitting full hammer, doesn't it? Hitting second. And, uh, yeah, what's going on with him? I don't know. Looks a little bigger to me, know. too. Just don't just don't tell him he looks bigger. <laughs> looks like he's uh, put on some I, – I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, you know, you know who's not a bad player, Crone. What do you think? No, I think he, I think he's okay. He's an okay first baseman. He hit that ball in the right field yesterday. That basically broke the game open. So he doesn't have to just sit there and uh, hack away. He is not the uh, not the uh, hack monster that I kind of thought he was. He's he's not bad. And uh, scope is better than I thought too. You don't see many first basemen that beat second baseman the way two thirty or whatever he weighs, but. Uh, not that big, but he's a big second baseman. But uh, the right side of the infield, they made two signings in the right side of the infield that were both suspicious. And so far, they look pretty good. There. Yeah, so the fine. Crone at five or six million dollars is it, it, it's that's a better value than Joe Mauer at twenty three million from last year. So they yeah. they saved money and they they got an equal or better different, but but maybe slightly better player. Uh, well, certainly, uh, just as you know, he's going to you know put a. Joe was fine last year because they found a spot to use him, a leadoff. But uh, they're better off at the top of the order right now with Kepler and Polanco. The, the new, you know, if this was old time baseball ten years ago, you would not, you still wouldn't have a leadoff hitter. I guess Buxton would be hitting up there now, but you'd still be looking for the guy with speed and everything instead of just, you know, hey, Kepler could get on base, Polanco could get on base. We got a top of an order. Let's go from here. Do you think Buxton gets up there eventually, or do they keep him down there at the bottom of the order pit? Well, as long as they're scoring six runs a game, they're uh, they're not going to change anything. I don't think. You know what else I like, guys? I What's like that? having three catchers. Yeah, I, I I like having as long as one of them just doesn't sit there for two months. Which is know, what like, Gar- that's what Gardy used to do in the old days. Yes, but I yeah. like having three catchers. Castro looks more lively than he ever looked because he's catching what three times a week if he's lucky. Two times a week. I, I like having three catchers. And, uh, you know, use them all. And you can use Garber and Astonio other places if yep. you want to. Gar- Garber could DH for you. I, uh, you know, if you can get away with that, and nobody does anymore, but I, I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, Pat, give us a quick little uh, 20, 30-second preview of Roycey on baseball this week. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it, honest to God. The uh, TK, I think we got 22, 23 minutes. They're great. And then uh, Timmy Kirkton comes rolling in. Manny and I basically come on and say, hey, how you doing? We're playing baseball, and here we go with the TK doubleheader. It's great. Awesome, awesome. All right, Pat, we'll see you tomorrow. See, see ya. Bye. Bye, Pat. Boom. Got uh, Royce on baseball coming up here in just a couple minutes. But Garver and Ostadio. Pat's right. Could play multiple positions, and that's the key. Right. So it's not like you have three catchers who you're just stuck with three catchers. Yeah, it's it's pretty obvious what the Twins have set out to do here in a lot of different spots. Multi-position so that, yeah, like you guys are saying, you don't, you don't just have three catchers right. who can't do anything. You've got two of the catchers can play for space and do other things. And, and Garver can actually catch now. And that helps your depth so much. Yep. Over, over the course of 162 games where you're going to have injuries, to be able to have guys... That can that can move around the field and and play different positions when you need guys at those positions. I think the Twins are as as versatile as as well. I don't want to say as any team out there, but a really versatile baseball team. Judd can move guys all over the field. Won't find themselves in a pinch 
if uh, they run into an injury. Position flexibility is the key to sports life. It makes Kwame you deeper. McLove. It makes you deeper. It's essentially adding ro- guys, it's guys occupying multiple roster spots. Absolutely. Is what they're doing. Um, so before we bolt here for the evening and get to Roycey on Baseball, and by the way, we're going to toss it right to Roycey on Baseball here in just a couple minutes. Ooh. So stay right here. No commercial break at the top. We're going to throw it right to Roycey on Baseball. Do you guys, if you guys had to say right now, here and today, in terms of how legitimate this Twins team is, so they're 13-7, and seven, um, like how, I saw the poll you guys put out yesterday, the how, like, at what point will you buy into the Twins? And yeah. people pointed out, wait a second, there's no option to just have been bought in already. I later, what I, I, later I later said, just reply with, I'm in already. It's it's happening. Yeah. Just reply with, it's happening. <laughs> Lots or two. Yeah. Right. Um, are you guys like... Are you in, yep, they're going to win the division mode in, holy cow, they're actually on the Astros level in, or are you still, it's only 20 games, everyone needs to breathe into a brown paper bag until about June. I said give me 40 games, but I think there's something here. And, And in this division, I think there is no reason why you can't have an expectation that you can win this division. Astros, mm, I'm still wait and see there. Yeah, I I picked them to win the division before the season even started, so I was already there. And as the season plays out, and you were sort of the first one to open my eyes to this, Phil, which is that the American League, and this is where I'll agree with Judd and say I'm going to wait till 40 games in to see if this trend continues and is real, has opened up in a big way since the season has started. I mean, before the year started, you thought it was a foregone conclusion that the Astros, Red Sox, and Yankees were going to win, were going to the playoffs and were head and, head and shoulders above the rest of the American League. The Red Sox and the Yankees don't look that great at all. The Astros, they look good, but I wouldn't say that they're leaps and bounds or head and shoulders above the rest of baseball. So right now, the point that I'm at is they're going to win the division, and the American League looks pretty wide open now, so if that stays that way through 40 games and beyond, anything can happen once the postseason starts. And think about this way. Even if the Red Sox wind up being the absolute team to beat in the American League, when you start as badly as they did, and they're still trying to dig out of this, they're 9-13 and on the season. I think they're in trouble. You know, you're like, you're you're saying cool, like you might be the best team, but you're spotting the Twins six or seven games in the standings and so it's just it's hard to make up. Slow, slow starts or fast the starts? The division matter. is there. The division is there, and perhaps a guy like Craig Kimball could help you capture it. Wow. Just throwing it out there as a final thought for today. We should do that Before episode. Maybe, maybe, maybe tomorrow we talk about that for the first time. <laughs> it's a great idea. It is. I agree. I'm on the Craig Kimball bandwagon. All right. That's all. Mackie and Judd with Rami on demand at scorenorth.com. Next, live on Score North, Royce on Baseball. Tom Kelly stories. Zolgad, um... I'll talk to you later. Bye.